Hello, hello, and welcome to Built on Hope, a podcast dedicated to competitive Imperial Assault. I'm Yus Isaac, and in this episode, we are actually going to put quite a lot of emphasis on the competitive nature, because today we are looking at one of the new largest tournaments that has happened online, which occurred right after the final, essentially, rebalancing release for the latest ISCP season, which is going to tell us quite a lot about what is the meta going to be. And this was, of course, the ISCP IA Command tournament, which ran on the 26th of February. So we will be joined by the winner in a little bit. But first, let's bring everyone on. So, Jessica, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. How have you guys been over there for the past few weeks? We're deep into uh, mocks right now for year 11 and 13, uh, mm. and so I've been really busy with that, but enjoying the kind of sunnier weather that's happening. And we're also kind of like getting over colds at the Gao household as well. <laughs> mm. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I, I do remember last year, that was quite an interesting situation. Luckily, exams are back to normal this year. But mm-hmm. last year, it was a conundrum, and you and I, of course, were on very different ends of that, mm-hmm. which was uh, quite interesting. David, how about you? I've heard that you've been a little bit under the weather recently. Yeah, I, I'm still a bit ill. Be might be a bit quiet. Um, yeah, I, I've been all right. So as as you heard, I had a pretty bad cold, and I'm still getting over it. Good, good. Fingers crossed for your recovery, then. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, for me, things have been all right as well. It's It's been a slow month. Had some surgery a few weeks ago, and so it's been very, very slow. Very slow, but... Uh, one piece of exciting news, I've actually decided to get into a, a new game competitively, mm. which is, and this might surprise a lot of people, but Age of Sigmar, Warhammer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I really was not expecting to, but you know, while I was just lying around recovering, I stumbled across Warhammer Fantasy Law, really put myself into that and really enjoyed it. And then when I looked at the actual game, and then I looked at the tournament, and you know the tournament scene. It has a lot of hallmarks akin to IA in the sense that it's the same people winning tournaments with different lists. You know, it's not a completely luck-based game. Yeah, I'm not going to elaborate too much, but I thought it was very, very, very exciting. And so, currently getting into the game now with Seraphon. So, if anyone listening does play Age of Sigma, do reach out. I'd love to discuss it. Yeah, so just been painting them up recently. It's, it's good fun. Good fun. Nice. Yes. As I said, today we are going to bring on the winner of the IA Command tournament, and we're going to talk about his list. You know, what his thought process was behind the list, because it's a very strong list, and Josh has beaten me several times with this kind of archetype of list. It's very good. And it's something which you just didn't see before IACP. This is an archetype which has proven its dominance, but it's new. So we're looking forward to discussing it. And that is, of course, the one, the only, IACP steering committee member, Josh Songer. How are you doing, my friend? Hello, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good, you? Excellent. No, good, good, thank you. So to anyone who's new to the podcast, do you want to give a brief reintroduction of yourself? What got you into the game? How you got into ISP Steering Committee? Absolutely. I've been playing since around Spectre Bowl era, essentially, is what it's referred to as. Tyrant's Lothal was about to come out when I started to pay attention to the game. Basically, like shortly after the Dracata episode of the Twin Troopers podcast comes out. is is when i because i always remember that was the very first piece of competitive reviewing of this game came out Mm -hmm. i always look for the community reviewing a game and you know what they feel is good and things like that i always remember dracata was the most recent episode so august 2018 i think but yeah so i've been playing since then and just got really super into it and as 
I started to make my voice heard on ideas for new cards and stuff for the season. Apparently, I came up as an idea as a possible inclusion for the committee when Noah stepped away. Noah's back, which is awesome because now I get to work with him too. That was really the only downside of joining the committee is I is I wanted to work with Noah on it. So now I get best of both worlds on that, <laughs> which awesome. is great. It's been a lot of fun since then. I've been working on the game since season six. So this most recent season that's come out is the first season that I've had a hand in. That's where I'm at. Well, we're definitely looking forward to seeing your insights into that in how you built your list. So really looking forward to chatting about that. 100%. All right. So before we jump into a recap of that IA Command tournament, a lot has actually happened since our last episode, quite a few events. So we've got quite a few recordings that are in the editing pipeline right now. So just a heads up of what's coming up. So our next episode is going to be a chat with Ollie Dewhurst about the Curtain Games event here in the UK and what's going on with the UK scene. Then our next episode after that, we actually had a chat with Brendan Bourne, who is actually new to IACP since the Adepticon event. And we kind of chat about what his experience has been like as somebody coming to the IACP as a new person to the to the IACP scene. So also in terms of events, so Adepticon has come and gone. That was a great event. Unfortunately, we couldn't make it, but uh, really excited to see that we're back to doing in-person events. Big shout out to Hank at Adepticon for inviting the IA community to run an event and getting us the FFG prizes. That was really, really awesome. And from Brendan's chat, it seemed like it was a really, really cool event, and they came away with loads of prizes, and we're very, very excited about that. So speaking of the Adepticon event, congrats to Logan Streeter, winner of the FFG tournament, and congrats to Jake Peterson on his win of the IACP event at Adepticon. See Noah's video uh, chatting with Jake about the Adepticon event on his IA Command YouTube channel. In events, we also had the IA Command Adepticon at Home Tournament just recently. Four rounds of Swiss were played just this previous weekend, and the top four is being played soon and so we'll report back about what happened then if you want to catch some of those matches uh, david and i did stream and you can find the stream on noah's channel ia command at youtube all right for iacp updates the devron garrison map has been rotated in since the adepticon event and the sneak peek of season seven is underway and so the official release of season seven will be the 25th of april but they're starting to tease out the new cards on the iacp website so go check that out all right, that's it for news, and we'll get back to the episode. Before we dive into what your list specifically was, do we want to touch on what this tournament itself was? What does it kind of represent, considering the, the time where it is? Because it's after the latest re content release for the season, or rebalancing issue, and it's also before the big Adepticon event. Yeah, so this was, it was not using the new map. We were running on Jabba's Palace, Moss Eisley Back Alleys, and Lethal Spaceport at the time. So this was the last tournament of that map rotation, um, but it was also the only tournament after, as Jess mentioned, the rebalancing, um, which was uh, the 
the final Mando change, nerfing his spear a little bit and removing Mudhorn Crest, as well as the recosting of guild programming and overwhelming impact. And if there were any other changes, I'm not remembering them right now, but uh, I think it was just those three. This was the last tournament after that. Actually, just kind of having a browse through the list, there's not that much Mando, right? Nope. Nope. As tends to happen, you know, whenever anything gets nerfed, people tend to shy away from it, whether it's actually good or not. Yeah, because I was really curious about people still playing it and seeing how well it matched up. But uh, yeah, I guess people really just veered away from it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I played against Mando in this uh, tournament. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Kyle was playing one. Right, yes. Again, it is very interesting. There's been a lot of debate and discussion about the Mando nerf. Is it enough? Is it too much? And a lot of people seeming to have a lot of different opinions on it. So, I mean, it's definitely a nerf, right? He definitely was weakened by it. The question is, is he now weak? And I think the answer to that is definitively no. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. he's he's 100%. still a very he's still a very strong figure. There are still those in the community, voices in the community, who believe that he is still too strong. Yeah, that may pan out. We'll have to test him. Apparently, this tournament was not an amazing test of that, <laughs> just because there there wasn't very much of him. <laughs> to be fair, though, Kyle did end up being first right. before it was discovered that he had an illegal list. Yes, yeah, but yes. he was he was then playing semi unnerfed Mando. Right, he was playing unnerfed Mando at somewhat. At least his his spear was still nerfed, but his Mudhorn crest was still there. But and I also think it's just worth pointing out, because obviously, you know, Kyle is, lo and behold, one of the greatest players in the community. And I do mm-hmm. think it's worth mentioning that it wasn't inherently a player error. No. He was using a list builder which was out of date. Yeah, that's how the, <laughs> the situation arose. And also, just to point out, it was really big of him. He was the one that pointed out. I don't think anyone would have noticed either, or caught it. He was the one that pointed it out. That that doesn't surprise me at all. That's that's Kyle being Kyle. He's really a great guy. Yep, absolutely. And and to be clear, by the way, when I said earlier there are voices in the community that have expressed that Mando may still be too strong, Kyle is who I'm referring to. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's not some unknown voice. This is a voice who has expertise on the subject. <laughs> I might agree with him but we'll have to i don't know if it's too strong but i think we have managed to keep mando a central figure of this game which i think was one of the things that we wanted you know he's got to be strong enough to carry the whole star wars franchise right so (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're not wrong no 100 i think there are a lot of differing opinions on mando and i think a lot of them are valid i'm certainly of the opinion that i do think that he's he's still s tier but i'm not convinced if he's necessarily broken s tier but i'm also not convinced that he's not broken as you know I, I just fundamentally don't know but he's definitely still one of the strongest units in the game which shows you how much he needed that nerf because that's a big nerf well because before this he was everywhere right oh yes it was like you had to put mando in every list and i think this is kind of one of those instances of the community reacting to things like sometimes people are also sick of it if it's a little bit too strong and so i think the nerf just gave people an excuse to try to play something else and to be fair though i will say even the unnerfed mando i mean i was playing him 
I lost in the finals to a Han list. Han actually won the last tournament before this one. So, like, you didn't have to have Mando, but it definitely helped. <laughs> no, 100%. And I think, to be fair, that that has more to do, I think, with the design of Imperial Assault itself than the power level of Mando. Because throughout Imperial Assault's history, outside of some very, very, very bad metas that we've had, looking at 4x4, for example, usually you could outplay the best unit and list if your list was one deck so that it could handle it because you know let's take mando for example mando is someone who he was too good for his points but that didn't mean that he was an auto win because you could you could certainly beat him but he just was too good for his points and I, th- and I think that comes down to the design of imperial assault which is throughout imperial assault's history player performance can beat the quote-unquote best options i mean i think it, it has more to do with him just being one figure than anything else in order to dominate a meta, you tend to eat up the entire list, right? That's why 4x4, or Troopers, or Hunter, or Spectre Cell, <laughs> you know, when you can get 35 plus points of these things, then you have a problem. But he is inherently still one figure. Right. If 35 of your points are too strong, then you know, are too strong for their points, then you're probably just going to win every time. If 10 of your points are too strong, then you have a strong chance of winning. But like, great example, 3PO, definitely too strong for his points, right? Definitely. But he's two of your points. So like, it doesn't mean you're going to win. Yeah. And I think that's also a really good point is that even if let's say the whole tournament, everyone played Mandalorian, then you have to think about like, oh, what did they put with him? There's still a little bit of variability with that as well. And same thing with, let's say like 3PO, everyone's going to have a slightly different list with 3PO in it at least but definitely you don't want every single list to have the same figure as well as you don't want all of one faction for example Mm, you really want to have a healthy meta where all three factions are represented 100% and and I think that really is an important thing to double down on how Mando ultimately is one figure and how one figure can be in a vacuum overpowered but still not be that crazy of an impact on the meta because you know let's say that's if someone takes a mando list and and let's take the beginning of the latest season ridiculously overpowered mando where he could move a bazillion spaces you know where his spear attack was one very good and it gave him extra movement Uh, you know i I think everyone on the steering committee agrees that we probably overtuned him a little bit to begin with but ultimately I don't think that even at that point of Mando, if you had Mando and then filled out the rest of your list with regular wing guards, you would dominate every single tournament, because Mando is still one list who fits into an archetype. And that's, I think, what really is the beauty of Imperial Assault, because player mm. skill, but even outside player skill, player performance, because you could be the best, you know, you could be the most skilled player in the world, but still have a bad performing game. That's why I think it's important to differentiate between player skill and player performance. But player performance on the tabletop matters more than your list in 90% of circumstances. Yep. All right. Well, let's dive right into this tournament then. Josh, do you want to tell us about how many people were there? And then we can perhaps dive into what your list was before we look into the the other lists run at the tournament. Absolutely. So there were a total of 10 players at this tournament, which I believe is tied with the largest tournaments we've had for the past few of them, uh, at least this year. Pretty good turnout. So what I was playing for this tournament was a little outside the box for a lot of people's opinions. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was playing Emperor Palpatine, Iden Versio with Dio, of course, two sets of ISB infiltrators, each wearing general's ranks, motivation on Palpatine, and then three officers, one with advanced comm systems and Zillow technique and rule by fear. 
what struck me immediately when you sent like a screenshot of your list is that your attachments almost rival the number of deployment cards you have, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a lot of attachments. I find more and more often these days, I end up doing that with Imperial lists because they're just good attachments available to Imperials, whether it's targeting computers for your vehicles or BT or generals ranks, because it's, uh, it's just one of my favorite cards. ISP has made. I had no hand in it, but I love that card. Whoever was behind that, mwah, chef's kiss. So the General's Ranks is a skirmish upgrade attachment that says, so you attach it to a non-unique group only, okay? Uh, it can be single or multiple figures. And it says, before you gain any number of movement points, if it is not your activation, increase the number of movement points you would gain by two. And then it also says, when you perform an attack, if it is not your activation, apply plus one damage to the attack results. Now, in my experience with playing with this card, I actually have found, for the most part, playing with and playing against this, for the most part, people put a lot of emphasis on that bonus damage, but the movement is really the strongest part of that card. The fact that officers can move things four spaces means that you are in places your opponents do not expect you to be. <laughs> but even worse than officers is motivation on Palpatine. Motivation moving someone three and then Palpatine, Palpatine granting them an attack, very, very strong. An attack that gets plus one damage from the general's ranks. It works out very well. Uh, but also in this list in particular, the ISBs are very strong with it. I originally, and like a lot of people, tried out ISBs working with other groups having the general's ranks, such as heavy troopers was what I was trying, so that ISBs could grant attacks to them. I found that, and I kind of ran the numbers through the, the damage calculator uh, that a lot of us use, the ISBs hit basically as hard, pretty much almost exactly as hard as the best four-point groups. They just don't have access to trooper cards. I mean, aside from that, their actual damage output is great. Their surges are phenomenal. They have a surge for plus two, a surge for plus one, and a surge for pierce one. That's three surges to choose from for damage. So having access to that, using them as the primary damage dealer, and just general's ranks using granting themselves attacks works out so much better than trying to move a heavy forward. It dies. Oh, now I can't grant an attack. <laughs> so. I think they also tend to sidestep a lot of defensive tech, right, with the comms jammer. Yes, that comms jammer is brutal. There are certain lists that sort of just fall apart <laughs> against comms jammer, and we will see that in the tournament review. Not, all, all respect to my opponent, great opponent, phenomenal opponent, his list was at a significant disadvantage against ISPs. And when you see a list like this across the table, you think, okay, well, Aiden, she obviously hits quite hard, but it's ultimately just one attack around. Palpatine, sure, he can get a few extra attacks out, but he's not, you know, he's no Vader on the board, of course. And then, okay, you see two sets of ISPs, and then you think, okay, well, that seems like decent support for your main attackers. And then you expect to see something else, and you don't. And you have this moment of, wait, what? That, that's it? Yeah. I was struck by the three officers. I'm like, okay, so they're filler to, you know, do objectives or stuff like that. But actually, the way you've done it, way the officers granting extra movement and allowing that to synergize with Palpatine, it's really, really nice. Yeah, I almost always round one am moving all four ISBs up, moving three of them up four spaces and one of them up three spaces. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... 
it, it's gross. Yeah, so like I just I just start out halfway up the map, which means if you do try to play aggressively, I am now in position to hit and retreat in round one, which is dangerous. And if they play defensively, then you can position yourself onto anywhere, you know, any of the choke points, any of the key objectives that you want. Yep. It's a genius design of a list because looking at it, the first instinct is, okay, well, this seems like a fun thematic list, but it's not. I mean, it is fun and thematic, but it it is also a, an incredibly competitive, high-tier tactical list that really has a reason behind it. And it's, you know, I always love seeing lists which have those just kind of surprise elements where you look at it and you underestimate it. And you really shouldn't because this is one of the <laughs> strongest lists in the meta right now. And that's incredible to see. Yeah. You said that you had tweaked a version of it that you played in the league, but where did the kind of original inspiration come from? Oh, I can tell you that very simply. We're going to jump right back to something we mentioned earlier. Kyle won a tournament with uh, <laughs> with with ISBs and heavies at one point. Ah, so that was the inspiration. Yeah, this was actually back during season five, I think. Yeah, during season five, he won a tournament with ISBs and heavies. So that's always been in my head as a list that I enjoy the idea of. I like the ISB play. I enjoy the comms jammer. So I always wanted to to mess around with that some more. And I was really having a lot of fun with lists with Palpatine motivation. Very cool. Put them together. Exactly. Just kind of fuse that together. This is really a genius design archetype that you've come up with. Thank you. It's very, very, very strong. I've, I've played against it. And, and again, you know, when I first saw it, it, ISPs have never been intimidating in the meta before ICP. So you really, you took them for fun. And I don't think that initial feeling ever really went away for a lot of players. And so looking at it, seeing Palpatine is good when he's got good figures to give attacks to. Yep. But when you see Aiden Palpatine and then double ISPs, you underestimate it. Right. And Aiden is a great person to grant an attack to, don't get me wrong. That also means that she is often the first target. When you look at this list, you're like, okay, who do I take out? It's Aiden. Aiden is the target of my opponents. And that makes it very easy to use her as bait. <laughs> to, <laughs> and the thing that you'll see throughout this tournament, the times where matches that shouldn't have necessarily gone my way, go my way, is when my opponent charges headlong into the loving arms of six ISBs. Or four ISBs. Six <laughs> ISB attacks. Yeah. Oh, God. Because that's... If you run into six ISB attacks, spoiler alert, I mean, at one point, Vader is on 15 health at the end of round one. <laughs> because Jesus. Of oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so one question that I do have, looking at your list, because, you know, it, it's a great command deck that you have. I see one card sticks out like a sore thumb in that mm -hmm. command deck, and I'm very, very, very curious to your thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and guess that you are referring to Against the Odds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you guessed correctly, my friend. So Against the Odds has been my sleeper card in this deck. Now, I, I have actually gone back and forth on actually including it, but ultimately it is a play on the fact that with Zillow Technique, every card in its worst case scenario is a block. Yeah. That's fine. You know, I, I'm okay with that. Against the Odds has always been a card that I felt should actually have its place in Imperial lists for that reason. Because Against the Odds is a card that often does nothing, which, no, it doesn't. It's a block with Zillow Technique. Or if it does do something, it's amazing. 
So, Josh, would you like to tell the listeners what Against the Odds is for someone who might not know? I suppose that's fair, because that is not exactly a meta card. (laughs) Correct. Against the Odds uh, is a zero-point command card. Use at the end of a round. If your opponent has at least eight more victory points than you, choose up to three of your figures. Those figures become focused. So that card very often doesn't get triggered, right? You're not always behind by eight. But sometimes you are, especially in a list where your guns are four-point figures, right? Like, that's what this ISB list is. The things you really should be killing are worth four points. So it is not hard for me to get eight points behind, because they're also relatively fragile, frankly speaking. Mm. They're on seven health with a white die. Mando can kill two of them, and then boom, I'm down eight points (laughs) from one Beskar spear. That works out because ISBs, because of the surges that I mentioned, really love focus focus is great on them focus generally amounts to plus two or three damage on them so it's it's pretty phenomenal and it has played out that way whenever i get to play that card i usually win wow and also what's interesting about adding something that adds focus is that empire doesn't have access to like a focusing unit like there's no gideon going to be handing out focuses there's no java going to be handing out focuses there's no three people you know like this is how you get focuses in an imperial list and it's not like i'm one of those rare imperial lists that can like jets with their shared experience right like mm-hmm. there's there's no scenario in which i'm getting focus in this list aside from against the odds you could take inspiring speech or focus yeah yeah there's so, just a card that's just called focus that no one uses it's so sad i mean you, you say that but actually fun fact isps were wildly popular back in the trooper meta and it was double isps double elite stormtroopers with blaze giving them hiddens and and things like that but back then they could only trigger their raid on the other isp in the group so the strategy was to kill one in each group and shut off all their abilities everything yes (laughs) but they they were pretty dominant in the first couple of tournaments i went to way back Mm. in the day oh very true i mean just to close off on against the odds in one of our very first podcast episodes for built on hope we discussed the timmy johnny spike and against the odds is just one of the most johnny things i have seen and i i love it the fact that a card which no one expects winning a tournament it's it's incredible it really is and it takes a good player to be able to pull that off. Well, thank you. Yes, I do. Uh, I do reckon myself a Johnny Spike, so I, I will take that compliment. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I'm a Timmy Spike. <laughs> <laughs> Any other last um, kind of command card shenanigans you want to talk about? Squad Swarm is very good. You don't say. It turns out when you don't have access to Call the Vanguard, Squad Swarm does a nice impression. <laughs> all right um shall we just give a quick kind of run through of what lists there were sure definitely all right so in second place in this 10 player tournament we had the one and only jake peterson and we're not going to go into as much detail into each of these lists just the basic archetypes and the inclusions so jake peterson second place he had the se2m repulsor tank with the targeting computer we had double jets we have Iden, a few officers zillow and heavy fire and imperial retrofitting with rule by fear and extra armor as well so a lot of defensibility and ultimately it's an imperial vehicles list with some spy splash which is very very powerful don't underestimate spy splash ever it's especially in this matter. Then in third place, we have Tuka, 
who is running a Jedi list of Diala, Ezra Bridger, Ahsoka Tano, Kanan Jarrows, Yoda, R2D2C3PO, Bounce of the Force and Doubt. Bounce of the Force giving him access to a lot of Jedi cards in that deck, so that's really exciting to see. Obviously, Tuka, very, very talented Jedi player. No surprise to see there. In fourth place, we have Ziggy running a bit of a rebel hero list. We have Han Solo, Kotun Feralo, we have Cassian Andor, Jin Odin, Harris and Dula, R2D2 Gideon, 3PO, Heroic Effort, of course, because everyone is unique and it is a Rebel Heroes list, and then Rogue Smuggler as well. And in fifth place, we have... Oh, I like this list a lot. So this list was run by Kyle, and again, this uh, is a 41-point list, which is, yes, where, where the conundrum comes from, but I love this. I really do. We have Boba Fett... Mandalorian, Jabba the Hutt, Dr. Aphra, Bib Fortuna, and then a lot of skirmish upgrades. Punishing Strike, Black Market, Clan of Two, and Heavy Fire. Now, I'm not going to go into this too much, but Punishing Strike in Boba, it is a dark horse that a lot of people underestimate. I've been running this, definitely not this list, it's a completely different archetype, but Boba with Punishing Strike basically lets you replace a harmful condition with another, so that Boba Fett can stun someone with his flamethrower. It's busted. I love it so much. It's a gorgeous combo. It's an awesome list. Two Mandalorians with a lot of support. That's exactly what I like to see. Yeah, I really like that. And surprisingly, Kyle is the only scum player in the whole tournament, right? Yep. Very true. It's pretty evenly, all the other lists uh, split pretty evenly between Imperial and Rebels, but Kyle being the lone scum player, so interesting. Four Empire, five Rebel. That's really cool. All right, and in sixth place... We then have Lucas with another Rebel Heroes list. We have Han Solo, Cochin Ferrolo, Lando Calrissian, not a figure you see a lot of nowadays in the meta, but still very, 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 very good. That die-doubling reroll is not to be underestimated. I'm not sure why we haven't seen him a lot, but it's, it's good to see him back. We then also have Jin, then we have, of course, R2, Gideon, 3PO, and my favorite way to round out the list, which is with a few smugglers. Two aligned smugglers and then a rogue smuggler on top of that. Very nice list. I like that a lot. Then in seventh place, we have the one and only Joey. To the surprise of no one, he's riding the Royal Guard Champion. We also have Mara Jade, two elite ride troopers, triple zero, two officers, Zillow, Rule by Fear, and Advanced Comm Systems. So a bit of an Imperial Brawler list with the Royal Guard Champion because it's Joey and he cannot go five minutes without playing the Royal Guard Champion. <laughs> Next up, we have Herbie with a list I like a lot. This is something I really want to run and haven't yet. And I'm very curious, Josh, did you play against Herbie? Yes, I've played actually against him on that list and variations of that list several times. <laughs> we'll save the chat for that later. <laughs> Essentially, what we have is we have Kara, we have Biv, that. That's really what I want to iron home. That combination, I think, mm -hmm. is going to be brutal. But it's Kara, Biv, Loku, Cassian, K2, R2, Gideon, and 3PO. So very nice list there. I like that a lot. Then, in ninth place, we have Derek Martins with... <laughs> Say it. Do, do I have to? <laughs> yes. Fine. Okay. It's back to sell. Moving on. <laughs> hey, but note the placement. <laughs> yeah. Ninth, yes, indeed. So... Derek Martin's running Spectacell, and obviously in ICP, Spectacell is even better than in the FFG version, because you get two points of skirmish upgrades, which means you could run Spectacell with a smuggler, I just realized. No, you can't. You can't have figures that aren't, they don't have Spectre in there. So oh, they... oh, right. Okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it. Okay, good. Good. You, I, you, I... Could, run, you could run two smugglers with it without Spectacell included. <laughs> just, just run the figures. <laughs> 
Yes, please everyone do that. That would be great. I mean, even that I think would be intimidating because that suddenly you have Spectre without the extra attack, but you go to up to eight activations. Obviously, the, the two-point Spectre card is better, but that's interesting. If someone could do well with a list like that, I would be very interested to see it. I feel like there's a better way to spend your 36 points, Isaac. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Such as, I don't know, Han Rangers and a third smuggler? I don't know. <laughs> and uh, just rounding out the Spectre list is uh, Extra Armor and Channel of the Force as the two extra points, which I think is a very good build. It's very powerful and very, very good. And in last place, we have Amator with an, another Imperial Brawler list. We have Vader, Versio, which is a nice combo to see. We have Elite Ride Troopers, Mara Jade, one Imperial Officer, and then quite a few skirmish upgrades. We have Zilla Technique, Unshakable, Doubt, Extra Armor, Ruled by Fear, Driven by Hatred, and Advanced Comm Systems, presumably on the Officer. So that's the list. That's a very, very interesting group of lists, I have to say. Yeah, I'm really impressed with kind of like the variety. We've got Spectre Cell still. We've got Han. We've got yeah. Jedis. We've got, you know, all kinds of Imperial lists. Actually, surprising a lot of Aiden Versio. I didn't realize she was so popular, actually, mm. but there's a lot of her in there. What I think surprises me is that she seems to be used as Spy Splash every now and then, and I think that if you want to go for the Spy Splash, objectively, I would say that Kanan is better. Uh, sorry, not Kanan. Uh, Callus is superior. Kanan deep spy. <laughs> exactly. Mega spy right there. I mean, but we're talking about Empire, so what about just cross-training? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I don't think it's worth the point anymore. Because, again, and we've spoken about this a ton on previous episodes, so we're not going to harp on for too long about it, but what the latest few seasons have done is that, in the past, if you were going to have a spy splash into your list, you had to sacrifice something. Mac is a sacrifice, it's a three-point sacrifice. Loku is a sacrifice. Cross-training is a sacrifice. It definitely is. Iden Versio or Callus is not a sacrifice because they are incredible figures who just happen to have the spy trait. So the fact that almost everyone is running spy splash does not surprise me. What does surprise me is the fact that they go for Iden over Callus. I think in some lists it makes sense. You know, mm. in a spy list such as Josh, you would rather have Iden than Callus because you want that sniping. But if you're just running a regular Imperial list and you're looking to splash some spies in, Callus hits very hard, he's less points. And he gives you Cartrol in Empire, which should not exist. <laughs> I'm sorry, but anyway, yeah, that's that's something that stands out for me. And then also in the top four as well, two Empire, two Rebels, no scum. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, listen, Kyle would have been in there. That's right. True. Yeah, yeah. The only the only scum list was in the top four. Yeah, it was in the one seat. He, he should have been there again. Looking at Kyle's list. One point too much, just get rid of Heavy Fire. You know, I see why you would put Heavy Fire in that list, because that seems like a, a valuable thing to have in your toolbox when you have both Boba and Mando, but he's not building the list around it. And it's a tool in the toolbox, it's not a big part of the list. I think if, if he hadn't put that card in the list, the list would have been just as good, and he probably still would have gone for enough. I'm not even sure he would agree with you. Really? He has proclaimed the gospel of the Heavy Fire uh, with this list. It does a lot of work with him, because Heavy Fire plus Bib equals you have up to two extra damage to deal to your primary target. So he just has such control over dealing exactly as much damage as he needs to kill that figure. Very interesting. So what's his solution for the harmful conditions? The child. The child. 
Mm, I see. No, that makes sense. Because for me, whenever I've played Boba, it's in a mobile-based, where Boba's very surgical, where he runs around doing flamethrowers, and in that archetype, obviously, heavy fire doesn't work. That's very interesting. And also, if you're not doing a flamethrower that turn, you can do Punishing Strike to deal with heavy fire as well. Oh my god. Oh my god. Because both Boba and Mando have the vehicle tag, Heavy fire does a lot of work here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm coming around to this now. Have you been converted to the gospel of the heavy fire? <laughs> I was about to say that, but it sounded a little too religious, so I shied away from it. Hold the gospel, people. I Oh my god, punishing strike. I actually am really tempted to run this now. I mean, it, it's a really tough question what you drop in that case, because Clan of Two is painful, because Manda really likes having a return fire. It's very powerful. But then, you know, Black Market, I suppose you already have Jabba for the card draw, but you, Black Market I just put in pretty much every scum list because of how good that extra card is. I think Black Market is what has to be cut. I think that's what would have to go. You still have Jabba. You have planning. You know what? I, I'm going to have to talk to Kyle about this list because I that blew me away. And we'll move on from there. <laughs> we'll have to have Kyle on next. <laughs> All right. So let's get into what are the matchups that you did well against and like what actually happened on the day. So round one, I played against uh, Amator. He was playing Vader Iden Riots. If you recall, going through that a moment ago, he, I remember I piled up my, my ISBs on the bottom right of Lethal Spaceport. Uh, we were doing a market sabotage and he piled up his troops on the top right. I put Aiden forward in front of the ISBs and he, I remember he moves forward with Vader and chokes her and like opens his, opens the door in between them and then continues to close. And then he runs Vader in at the top of round two. And by the end of round two, I don't remember if he's dead or if he's on one health. I know, I distinctly remember getting him to one health during that round. He, he regrets his life choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vader is, is great. Unfortunately, six attacks from ISBs is very, very strong, especially when two of them get the plus one damage from the you know from the general's ranks yeah charging headlong into the isbs is is a rough spot to be in and from there at once vader's gone it's it's Aiden and riots so there's not a lot more to be done do you think the map really helped you out there or do you think you would have still done just as well regardless uh i think the map definitely helps with the fact that he doesn't have you just can't have enough movement points to help the rest of that list close like vader vader can get there and that's fine but the rest of his list couldn't get there to support him enough and that's yeah it's it's kind of a long map that's just the case with Lethal Spaceport. So just in terms of Vader, obviously one of the... There are many strong things about the ISBs, but the thing that makes them, their attack good is that it's towards the top of the curve when it comes to a generic trooper attack. But the problem that has kind of stopped trooper lists from becoming a staple in the meta and what's really held them down is, is Vader. So how exactly were ISBs who have really a good trooper attack, but it's definitely not a hunter attack. How did they get through those double black dice? Were there command cards or low rolling? Or is that just the average that they do against Vader? It's because there's so many of them, right? Like when what you're thinking of is you're thinking of 
Vader against four jet troopers. That's yeah. four attacks with four ISBs. That's six attacks. <laughs> like the, it's it's the extra attacks that creates the value. Yes, it takes a lot of attacks to kill him. I have a lot of attacks. <laughs> like I can spare that. Even Vader against four jet troopers. If you've got nothing else supporting him, he will go down. Yeah, it just takes a lot of attacks. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely not as simple as it is to kill you know a Cassian, <laughs> right? But it's still like eventually sheer volume will get through like his defense his his damage mitigation per attack is not strong enough to have him live through everything i have definitely run into this problem (laughs) (laughs) it actually ended up much closer i do remember than i thought it was going to be after vader went down it ended up 34 to 32 so like he actually stages a big comeback but he doesn't quite catch up Mm. Round two, I played against Jake playing his tank jets list. Now this is, spoiler alert, the first time I'll play Jake's tank jets. This is my only loss in the tournament. (laughs) Oh, really? Yes. So Jake's list is the worst matchup for this list. It Mm. It is atrocious because if you look at his list tank and four jets think about how many evades you can add with those figures Uh (laughs) right you were saying you're really depending on those damage surges i have such strong surges and if i can't get surges through i can't do damage so i don't remember how this game goes it's just a blur of bad things i know it ends uh, it ends it ends 12 to 28 so like it's not a super close match i lose it pretty badly but i do remember like i think the tank just doesn't end up dying and several jets live on one i think so yeah it, that one doesn't go well later though we will find that when i face the tank again the tank eats as many attacks as vader like it takes it takes seven attacks for the isbs to put the tank down and that figure costs like what how much three less four less than vader (laughs) yeah so it's really strong against isbs interesting so what map were you playing on and what mission did that play a factor because sometimes the tank does fall down on certain maps because of the the positioning issues. Yeah, we were on Moss Eisley, Concealed Treasures. That's what we played on. Which, I'll be fair, is not my strongest map. Everyone says it's a very balanced map. I don't know what it is about me, but I'm just not very good on it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I need imbalanced maps. I need, <laughs> I need maps I can take advantage of. I know he was on the top left side and I was on the bottom right. And yeah, it just it did not go well. Very interesting. Uh, for round three, I was up against Herbie with his Kara Biv, Loku Cassian, K2, R2, Gideon, 3PO list. I refer to this list as Kara Hunters because uh, he, in later iterations, I don't remember exactly what all he's replaced. I know he's taken out Cassian and K2 and replaced it with Sabine in later iterations. That's, that's what I've played against the most. But in this version, he ran K2 and Cassian, also very strong, wanted, wanted some more spies, I'm guessing, wanted to have access to comm disruption. Honestly, I don't have a ton of memory of this game just because I've played against this list so many times that, and I've played against Herbie so many times that they all blur together. <laughs> I could just talk about generally in this matchup what usually ends up happening. So Kara 
and Biv both really need to advance forward. He actually plays his Biv at range more often than most Biv players do, and I've seen it work out very well for him. That has been the most surprising thing when I play against Herbie with this list. He he focuses up Biv round one consistently and plays kind of a sniper Biv situation, and it's it's been pretty effective. So is Biv the one to watch out for in this list? Oh, he hits hard. Um, he runs close and personal. He'll snipe you, you know, early on, and then he'll close in and really lay some damage down. You have to be able to put that Biv down, but then, I mean, you know, Kara's Kara, right? Yes. <laughs> so she's going to uh-huh. do Kara things if you leave her alone. Um, yeah, that would have been, in my mind, like the main threat. Mm-hmm. I've also found that uh, the Sabine version is very strong because Sabine with that grenade is just always inescapable. And she really sets up, if you if you box up too close to her, which I tend to do with my ISBs because of that whole moving forward thing, I have been on the wrong end of a grenade too many times with my ISBs. I think that's actually what happened in this tournament. Now, no, no, that wasn't because she wasn't, he wasn't running Sabine in this one. So I guess I should talk about the version that he was playing, which was Cassian and K2. <laughs> Not Sabine. Cassian and K2, I haven't seen him run as much with that, but I know K2 slaps that figure is the hardest hitting five drop by a lot <laughs> like definitely by a lot a lot um he, <laughs> he he puts bt to shame and bt bt was a six drop before for a reason he just didn't have good supporting traits and i think that's the truth of k2 as well really k2's traits they don't match the figures that you want to play him with if if that makes sense he's not going in brawler droid spy lists generally mm-hmm. yeah he, he's a good dice pool at the end of the day he's a good dice pool with with damage tokens that he provides for himself he's very solid and with that with that spy splash he's got a total of three spies in there so he's got his calm disruption going on so he can really control what's going to happen in the game so for that game it was a score of 42 to 34 so also a very close one i just barely narrowly adds that one out before the end but it was enough to secure my way into the top four mm-hmm Hmm. Initially, I was the three seed going. Or I'm sorry, I was the four seed going into the top four, which meant I was going to be going up against Kyle. Unfortunately, Kyle. Well, fortunately, good sportsmanship that he that he has. He admitted his fault because we were all asked to turn in our lists, and he went and built his in tabletop admiral to submit and realized he was 41 points. And so he he told us, which meant, unfortunately, that he was disqualified. So that shifted the top four from originally was going to be Kyle in the one seed, Jake in the two seed, Tuca in the three seed, me in the four seed. It became Jake in the one seed, Tuca in the two seed, me in the three seed, and Ziggy in the four seed. So my opponent changed from Kyle to Tuca, which brings us to the top four, my match against Tuca. So as Jake is the worst matchup for me, Tuka is the best matchup for me. No. <laughs> Poor Tuka. Yeah, it was it was very unfortunate because he's a, he's a great player and he's great at Jedi. Mm-hmm. There is no list that fares more poorly against this uh, against this list that I can think of because you're not allowed to play knowledge and defense is a very bad time for Jedi. Oh, ouch. <laughs> ouch. Yeah. And also you're not allowed to play get behind me or deflection. <laughs> oh no. You can't play dying lunge. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Josh, you you absolute bully. You can't play tough luck if you use doubt to re-roll my attack die. Like there's... <laughs> 
there's so much of his list that just doesn't work during half of my activations. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, especially like R2 drawing you extra cards. You're like, yeah, I've got all these command cards. I've got all these things I can do. Nope. Mm -hmm. That's why everyone hates Spy, unless you're playing Spy. (laughs) I mean, that's very specifically ISBs, but yes, yes, in general, saying no to defensive cards. Spy's vibe is that you want to do something? No, you're not. They're they're blue. They're they're blue from Magic the Gathering. That's what they are. So what was the map and like how did it play out? So it ended thirty six to twenty six. Oh, so that went to time then. Yes, yes, it did. Either that or he conceded and we just didn't file it in as forty. Right. So this was also on Moss Eisley back alleys. This was stashed away. So this was the stand on crates mission. And yeah, that one ended up going my way. I don't remember exactly how it went. I know that in general, not being allowed to play knowledge and defense most of the time is really rough. So when you are going kind of into this matchup what is your thought process for like what figures you have to take out first what were you thinking whoever he presents to me is fine (laughs) if you put someone forward and they're not next to yoda i'm gonna kill that figure gotcha oh i remember now uh i apologize that's not true entirely i that's not how i did it because he actually runs his ezra forward like very very far forward and i just ignore it and just go about killing the rest of his list behind him. They're more convenient to kill, and his Ezra just can't do enough to present a real threat. I mean, every, everybody wants to kill Ezra because of his Spectre Cell days. Ezra's the toughest figure, you know, with that innate block. So if he's got anything resembling a Vader, that's it. I mostly focused on not giving him options to make attacks against me. So I just stayed at range. And like his Ezra's all the way in my face already, so I can't get away from that. But I just gave Ezra only officers to kill, like put that in his way. And then uh, from there, just focused on killing Diala and then Kanan. Besides the spy shenanigans, or specifically ISV shenanigans here, I think your extra focus in your list building on mobility is really important because this is one of the big strengths of this list of the force users list is that they can get to you really quickly like you have really high speed figures right that also hit hard but they're melee right so they have to be next to you so if you have those little tiny extra bits of movement it makes a big difference right right absolutely yeah because that that matchup i was able to hide all the way around the right side of the map. I'm basically on like every crate on the right side and I'm spread all around. And if he moves forward away from Yoda, then his figures are unsafe. And at that point they're in danger. But basically I have this kind of wall of fire from these ISBs all around the right side. And if he closes in, then he's in line of sight to all of them. And that doesn't tend to work out. All right. Then what's happened next? Got your rematch. Yep. So then I get my rematch against Jake Peterson in the finals. So this is a map or a matchup that I don't actually have to review to remember because I do remember it because it was so surprising to me <laughs> how it went, mm. which is I thought for sure. I'm like, OK, I'm going to be top two again. I will. I will be always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm top two f- for the last three tournaments. Wow. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I got second in the last two. But tournaments. you did it. You did yep, it. <laughs> yep, but, I, but I end up closing this one out. We're in Jabba's Palace. I know that. Jake moves his tank forward, moves it very far forward onto that middle 
crate. We were on the like hold the three crates mission. New ownership. He moves his jet forward onto it. He doesn't realize how far forward. I think based on what I based on what I saw, he doesn't realize how far forward my ISBs are going to get. So he follows up with using his Iden to intel leak me, and he sees three cards. One which doesn't matter. I don't remember. And then one was take initiative. And one was Squad Swarm. Now, this is round one, and I am getting initiative round two. He chooses take initiative, which, as he later phrases it, is the safe choice. It is a safe choice, generally. But the problem is, it's not doing anything for me next round anyways. I'm not going to need it for two rounds at least. But what is doing something is Squad Swarm. Yes. Oof. And You can play around take initiative if you know they have it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But squads go, oof, that's that's, a tough one. So his tank is moved into the center, and round two starts with a squad swarm of ISBs. So he had already gotten his tank hit one time by my Iden for a whole two damage. (laughs) (laughs) So it was down to 10 health. And then, as I mentioned earlier, it takes six ISB attacks to do the remaining 10 health. But we get there. (laughs) You did it! And at that point, he now has a jet who's exposed in the middle as well for my Iden to get to. And it's just, it kind of goes downhill (laughs) for him Mm. from there once that tank is gone. Because that's where a lot of his strategy is centered around that. Basically managed to take out the tank without giving up anything. Oh, nothing at all. Yeah, I lost a squad swarm. That that's what I got. That's big. I don't think he even got an attack off. Oh, that's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just got away from him, and he mounted a very strong game after the fact. It was a really it was a really fun matchup. It ended up thirty six to twenty five uh, in the finals. He did concede at that point. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Once he had gotten down to, I think he was at one jet who was locked in the pit. Oh. <laughs> so like that's that's what he had that was kind of uh how that wrapped up and that's how i won my first tournament oh very well played sir i just want to ask so you've mentioned every single match talking about what your isbs did and aiden sometimes but how did palpatine do was he just kind of backup for your isbs he basically makes the isbs happen more (laughs) <laughs> largely you know i mean he, he's mostly there to pump out more generals ranks isb attacks i mean though he, he does grant iden attacks as well i found that the current map rotation is such that i don't have the ability to build up tokens on iden anymore like i used to be when she first came out i feel like we had some longer range maps or something or some slower i think it was chopper base i'm thinking of where mm-hmm. like you know that map was so slow to start right because of the door in the middle that you had time iden usually had two tokens on her so like you could get a call to vanguard out and a regular turn and you know have a damage token for both i don't usually have that to spare if i'm making extra attacks with Aiden, then then at that point she's out of tokens like she's not going to have a token for one of the attacks so i don't try to focus on giving her attacks with with palpatine he's just a background all-star right like he <laughs> he will absolutely churn out three kills in one activation if you're not paying attention <laughs> you know between God, his so gross his lightning and temp and granting attacks yeah i don't remember anything particularly strong that he did this tournament but i'm sure he did some dumb stuff because he's palpatine behind the scenes mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty thematic actually manipulating mm-hmm. things behind the scenes right i've been playing 
motivation palp with general's ranks for a while. One of my favorite fun lists with that, and honestly, it's, it's probably stronger than I give it credit for, is uh, I call it the Wampatine Hunger Force, <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> two Wampas with general's ranks. Oh my god. Palpatine. Because Wampas are a lot stronger than people realize, but also... yeah. You can play opportunistic for five movement points with General's Ranks. So you can activate Palp, tempt someone, that triggers opportunistic, <laughs> move the Wampa five, and then motivate it to move it three more and grant it an attack. So it's move eight, grant an attack on Palpatine's turn, which is gross. Yeah, that's a different list, but it's a lot of fun. Motivation Palp can do a lot of silly things and make a lot of attacks happen where you wouldn't expect them. Very cool. Jake's also been playing a lot of Motivation Palp lately. I know that. He's been talking about that as well. Very, very cool. Sounds like you had a great day. Yeah, yeah. It, it went very, well, I mean, it was several different days for the top four and, and the finals. Yeah. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a good tournament. And you, you broke your second place curse. Right, Yay. right, right, right. I played this list with the aim of because I lost to Han the last tournament playing Mando, what I thought was the most broken thing, right? You know, I thought Mando was, mm-hmm. I mean, and he was, he was, we were playing unnerfed Mando. He was the most broken thing, but I lost to Han playing that. So I was like, okay, I want something that can beat Han and also beat Mando. Well, if Mando can't play Iron Will or get behind me and Han can't play on the lamb, maybe this ISB list has legs. And then I didn't play against either of them the entire tournament. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I was just thinking that. Yeah, I think Commando is still super strong. I think not quite broken, but I think still very strong. And I'm I'm still surprised that Kyle is the only one that played him in that tournament. Well, really well done, Josh. Very cool. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me.